Alright, legends. Welcome back, dude, to yet another episode of Get Around Me. What a time it is to be alive, truly. Okay, today, where to begin? A huge honor has been bestowed upon all of us, really, but I particularly have been humbled. September 22nd has been declared a public holiday across the Commonwealth, okay? Now, I knew my Brisbane Encore show on September 22nd was going to cause some waves, but to have a public holiday in recognition of my own show, uh, I'm humbled, I'm overwhelmed, and look, I don't know what happened to the Queen, but this new king appears to really support the arts, and I think it's about time someone does, because, wow, I'm blown away. You know, and I even said to the king when he called me, I said, Chuck, mate, you know, appreciate the support, love what you're doing for the arts, maybe we just do a public holiday just in Australia. And this is what he said, his words, not mine. He said, Bill, your comedy, what you're doing up there is so important and so impactful that it's only right the whole Commonwealth comes together to celebrate your tour, especially considering your East Coast tour dates the following week, you know? And I said, I said, sorry, King Charles, what were those again, okay? And he said, Bill, Gold Coast, Brisbane, Port Macquarie, Newcastle, Sydney, last week of September as part of the homecoming tour. And you can get all those tickets via Billy Darcy's Instagram bio. This is the king still speaking. We we're on a Zoom call. And, uh, and yeah, so September 22nd, public holiday, Brisbane Encore show. I think there's only one ticket left or something. So I think there's three. So don't stress yourself out about that one. But the homecoming tour rolls on. Brisbane, Gold Coast, Port Macquarie, Newcastle, Sydney. Last touring I'm doing for the year. Those tickets are a little more expensive, but you get like six comedians and the show, there's a lot more value in the ticket. So other than that, great times, great classic hits. Obviously, the Queen is dead. I have to come clean in that I feel nothing regarding her death. But at the same time, I felt nothing when she was alive. So I'm not going to turn it on now. You know what I mean? Some people, it seems like they're just getting into the Queen now. And it's like, you know what I mean? You, you've missed her prime. In fact, you've not even missed her prime. You've missed, you've missed way past her prime. You've missed really everything. And some people now are just taking an interest in the monarchy. And it's like, really, this should be where if you were into the monarchy, this is an opportunity for you to potentially get off the train. Uh, but yeah, obviously the queen, she's the only queen I've ever known. So I don't know, she didn't personally wrong me in any way. But yeah, I saw all these articles, what killed her. It's like, what the fuck do you think killed her? She was about a million years old. <laughs> you know, the real question is, what was keeping her alive? She had COVID at 95 and just walked through it. That's not normal, okay? When I, I had COVID, I freaking high-fived a 73-year-old bloke one time. He just freaking evaporated in front of me. Okay, the queen walked through COVID... 
like it was one of those banners they run out to before an AFL grand final. I mean, it was nothing. You know, Omicron, oh my care. Ah, that was bad. Anyway, yeah, the Queen's dead and, you know, she had a great run. She enjoyed whatever whatever rich person medications were keeping her alive right till the end. You know, whatever supplements Joe Rogan's on, they would have been pumping those into the Queen. And, you know, everyone's taken it differently. The English are in tears. I've, I cannot relate to the way the, the English relate to the Queen. I don't understand it. It's a special relationship they have. I'm not here to knock it. I'm just here to say it seems bloody weird. Okay? Because I never heard the Queen speak. So I don't understand how you can sort of get around someone who speaks like three sentences a year that have been written for her. You know, it just seems weird to form a connection with that person. Especially, I, yeah, I just don't understand. Especially if you're poor and you love the queen, it just seems like a weird person to worship. You know, if the queen donated one of her fucking dining room chairs, she could she could pay for your food for a bloody year. So it just seems a bit bloody bizarre for a poor person to be worshipping this uh, this royal whose chair is worth more than your whole fucking salary, babe. But, you know, whatever, to each their own. The Irish, I mean, this is the best week of their fucking life. And, you know, check my passport, RE, my beautiful freckles, uh, my beautiful Irish heritage. You know, there's a bit of that. The Irish were singing at this soccer game. <laughs> Dude, the Irish were going nuts. They were singing, Lizzie's in a box, in a box, Lizzie's in a box. Na 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 Which is a particularly festive tune uh, when, when celebrating someone's death, you know. Most people like to go a little more solemn when celebrating the life of someone who's just passed away. But that's the Irish for you. You know, they've only got one mode. And that's party. So they obviously are absolutely pumped, re the history there. But yeah, don't particularly care. I don't. I'm not happy she's dead, but I'm not. You know, I'm not going to pretend to jump on the train now. Getting into the royals now, that feels like getting into Queen after Freddie Mercury died. You know, like it's it's done. Okay, you can still you can still enjoy the hits, but she's gone. Okay, she's gone. But I am pro-Republic. I saw a headline that said King Charles named King of Australia by the Governor General. And that that just sent my blood the other way. Okay. <laughs> because the <laughs> here's the thing is when I was born, the Queen was the Queen. So I can go in on that. Okay, this is the Queen. You know, I'm I just got to Earth. You're telling me she's the Queen. Okay, that's fine. But this Charles bloke has just been a lowly prince this whole time. You know, there's been some bloopers along the way. He's been in a fucking Family Guy episode, Prince Charles. No one who's been in a Family Guy episode should then become royalty, in my opinion. You know, and there's no aura around Charles because we know for the last bloody 60 years, he's just been that guy off to the side. And now it's like... You just click your fingers and now he's, you know, the king. It just seems a little dramatic. Really, kings and queens should have stopped when the pirates stopped. 
You know what I mean? A king. We just we got a new king in 2022. I'm sorry, is this Lord of the Rings? You know, a wizard's back? What's going on? We don't need a fucking king. You can either have iPhones or you can have kings, but you cannot have both. You know what I mean? You can't... <laughs> if, if, when Dylan Alcott spoke to the Queen, he spoke to her via Zoom, okay? I don't think the king or the queen should ever be on a zoom call you know at that point i think we've lost the uh the aura or the luster of royalty you know because before in like the 1600s and in the roman empire they believed the emperor was like half god or something you know they were like oh this it was like a a god you know devotee style relationship Whereas now, like, there's videos of, of King Charles tripping over. I'm not going to worship someone who I've seen stub their toe. <laughs> you know what I mean? I reckon we should go full republic, get us out of here. You know, the monarchy, the king, it's all a bit by the by. And we will still have a fantastic relationship with England. You know, if Germany ever gets a bit bloody lippy or Russia comes over the hill... England need but not pick up the phone and the, and the Anzacs will be there with bells on, you know, whether the king tells us to or not. Also, the idea of a castle in 2022, I got a mate who just bought a fucking one-bedroom apartment for 1.1 mil and we got this bloke living in a fucking castle. We need to subdivide that thing ASAP, okay? We need to turn that thing into one of the more aggressive block of apartments London has ever seen. But great, great stint by the Queen. I never had anything against her. Don't really, never really understood her role. And and that's that, you know. Great innings. I personally think anything past 90 is just gravy, okay? My dream is to live to 94 and then have someone put a shotgun in my mouth and put me down like a farm dog, okay? So anyone who gets past 90, have a high five and a great life. And uh, we'll see you next time. But yeah, nothing but royals in the news. Tough week for the podcast as far as news items because we had the Queen died, so it's nothing but royal stuff. And then also Zendaya went to the Emmys, or Zendaya. I never know which way to say it. But let me tell you guys, if, you've, if, if you're looking for news items to discuss on a podcast, you better pray to God Zendaya hasn't put on a dress that week because that's it, Okay. It's just Zendaya, just the verbs they use for Zendaya walking down the red carpet, they're like, Zendaya destroys the red carpet. Zendaya poleaxes the red carpet, you know? She molested that thing. She colonized it. She invaded it. She fucking put up, she put up some fucking townhouses on this thing and sold them off at market price. I mean, she owns that red carpet. So... The Queen is dead and Zendaya is the hottest chick on the planet. And that's that's really more or less what is happening in the world today in 2022. You know, <laughs> the war between Russia and Ukraine is still going on. But don't let that distract you from Zendaya at the Emmys. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I will say one last thing about the Royals is that but just before the Queen died, Meghan Markle was doing the rounds. 
um, you know, doing some speeches and stuff. And Meghan Markle is very polarizing. I used to uh, not live with, I used to work with like a 63-year-old English woman. And she loved the royals and she wanted to kill Meghan Markle. Okay, now I'm not really across the whole leaving the royal family thing. I will say though, whether you like Meghan Markle, whether you hate her, whether you love her, whether you don't think about her at all, when Meghan Markle does a speech or speaks publicly, it is without a doubt the creepiest shit I've ever seen. Okay, I don't know who her public speaking coach is. I don't know if she's an alien in a human suit that has recently been replaced. And here's the thing. She's a talented actress, dude. I, I'm a huge Suits fan. She, so, you know, I'm, if anything, pro, I'm, if I have to pick a, a side, I'm pro Meghan Markle. Okay. She was great in Suits. But when she speaks publicly, it is fucking disturbing. She does like the robot voice where she's like practiced the speech word for word. And you can tell on her speech after a line, you can tell where it says on her speech, smile. Like you could tell there's one line and then it tells her what expression to have. And then there's the next line. She's like, it is so great to be back in the UK. Brackets, smile, smile, smile. I love this beautiful nation. Look vulnerable, look vulnerable. And there's just some, you know, royal, royal handle at the back going, good job. Dude, the whole thing's fucking weird, to be honest. Like, I don't know. She needs to chill out with these speeches and just try talking like a normal person. Because I was a Meghan Markle fan and her, her podcast, I don't know. It's obviously not for 27-year-old men, so I don't particularly feel the need to comment on it. But from what I've seen... Very creepy, very scripted. It's just, do you know what it is? It's uncomfortable when someone's image is so obviously manufactured to the nth degree. You know, on the podcast, she's so, like, there's this podcast how she was the ugly nerd at school. You know, she's so obviously trying to be appear likable. And it's like, Megan, people who are likable don't need to attempt to appear that way. They just do it, okay? That's the point of podcasts. You're not on fucking CNN. This is a medium without, you know, a big company telling you what to do and 75 producers. I don't know what the future of podcasting is. Sorry, I'm just, I'm fucking going down the rabbit hole here, but I don't know what the future of podcasting is going to look like because originally it started as this rogue medium, you know, Two microphones and a dream. Go get them, lads. And it was sort of a pushback against the overproduced, overscripted nature of commercial television. And, you know, it was great. You know, people could just be themselves. There's no ad breaks. You don't have to try and condense what you're saying into two and a half minute blocks. But now, podcasts are so produced and you know, it's not a bad thing. They're so well done. Like podcast studios now, they're getting to the point where they're, it's almost costing as much to put on a podcast studio as it would to do the show on a network television channel. You know, like Andrew Schultz's Flagrant, their set costs like a hundred grand. 
And so it's almost like podcasting, even though it's independent, it's like moving back towards big business. Like how much money is being poured into Meghan Markle's podcast? There's like 25 people filming, recording, makeup, lighting. It's like, that's not really what a podcast is. And her her podcasts are so obviously scripted, you know, like it's very much bang, 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 bang. So it's almost like we're headed back towards mainstream media, but it's just now the power brokers aren't Channel 9, CNN or whoever. Now it's Spotify. Now it's Apple, you know? So everything's cyclical. We're going back towards, you know, famous people sitting behind desks. That's basically where this is headed. We're fucking a bee's dick away. So it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see what happens. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm probably just going to cut this whole thing. So anyway, here's what's happening with me, dude. So this week, now this one, a little bit weird, not necessarily a yarn, but so this week, you know, due to some some budget cuts at Get Around Me Studios, I was faced with the difficult decision of having to cancel my World Vision child that I've been sponsoring for the last seven years. This young fella named Gaio out of Kenya, got him when I was 20, been direct debiting uh, myself senseless ever since, and unfortunately, just couldn't afford it anymore. And I'll say this, guys, if, if you've ever tried to cancel a gym membership, okay, this is a little bit harder, okay? Fitness First could learn a thing or two from World Vision. I'll tell you that. It's basically like canceling a gym membership, Except when you call them up to to tell them that, they just call you a terrible person for about 25 minutes straight. And then at the end, they double check. They just basically, they want you to say out loud, I am a terrible person. Please stop these payments. Okay, so it's bloody, it's tough sledding trying to cancel uh, with World Vision. And here's the thing, I don't want to cancel. Okay, I just couldn't afford him anymore. And the thing is, there's no, there's no high fives for the good times we had. There's no thanks for the last seven years. You know, there's no good job, Bill. Thanks for contributing. Thanks for making an effort to, uh, you know, at least help poverty in some way. You know, I couldn't afford it anymore. I'm fucking poor myself. You think World Vision of all people would understand a bloke running out of money? It's like, what the fuck? How could you not understand this concept? If I keep sponsoring this kid, he's going to have to start sponsoring me. So the whole thing was a bit dramatic. And do you know what the guy said to me on the phone? He goes, if I stop the payments, he's not going to be able to drink fresh water. That's what this telemarketing guilt-tripping piece of shit said to me on the phone. And I got to say, it's... It, I can see why they say it because he bloody had me by the balls there. But then I thought, well, hang on. When I started sponsoring Gaio, he was 10. So where was he getting the water before? You know what I mean? It's time for that person to pick up another shift. Like, what are we doing here? And they've they've been sending me emails all week saying, oh, it's his birthday. It's his birthday. Come on, sponsor him again. It's his birthday. I'm thinking this bloke's had about seven birthdays in the last two weeks here. He must be 31 by now. Here's the thing. Am I, 
am I supposed to sponsor him forever? You know, humans, we don't give ourselves the credit. You know, people get divorced after 15 years and they just go, oh, biggest disaster of my life. I hate that person. It's like, yeah, when, when he cheated on you at the end with his secretary, babe, yeah, I'll admit that wasn't too savory. But the first 14 years, you know, let's have a few high fives. Let's have a glass of wine, you know. What's wrong with that? I sponsored this kid for seven years. Yeah, I probably gave about six grand all up, which is about, you know, fucking half of what I make a year. <laughs> and they're bloody giving me grief on the phone, you know. There's no thank yous. Guyo himself, he didn't pick up the phone. I'll tell you that. You know, maybe you could use some of the six grand I sent over to shoot me an email, brother. But so I was pretty uncomfortable. Uh, I was putting it off as well. You know, I just couldn't afford him anymore. I apologize. You know, and also the thing was with the world vision is I feel like with charities, when charities get too big, it's almost like there's a lack of accountability. Like I never once got told where the money was actually going. As far as like, I'm sure, you know, I'm not being a fucking conspiracy theory person. I'm sure, you know, if you donate to World Vision, the money goes to poverty in some way. But how much of that 50 a month? And, you know, all you get really, you don't know what's going on. You don't get any photos or anything. Uh, you just get, you know, a couple of poorly written letters a year. But they could have a bunch of rugby league players in a factory pumping these letters out. I don't know where these things are coming from, you know? It should be like, I just wish you could like, you'd be like, I want the money to go towards this. And then you get a picture of him being like, fucking cheers for the PlayStation bill. Appreciate it. You know? And you're like, yes, I paid for that PlayStation. He has the PlayStation. So it should be like HelloFresh where you can fucking pick out the food he eats. That would be better. But yeah, so I, I couldn't believe the amount of grief World Vision would give me on the phone as someone who has donated regularly for seven years. This is how you treat me. I'm thinking, fuck, how do you treat the people you cold call who've never even given you a cent? Do you just call them up and call them white devils? <laughs> like, the whole thing was very uncomfortable. Also, you know, when is a billionaire just going to fucking step up? Not a single billionaire. I think Bill Gates has done a fair bit for water in Africa, but don't hold me to that. But it's like, stop harassing me because World Vision is calling me every afternoon trying to get me back on board. And it's like, stop calling me. Why don't you make one call to Elon Musk? We could fucking sort this out real quick, you know? Elon Musk didn't buy Twitter because there was too many fake people on there, too many bots. Well, I'll tell you what, mate, the people starving in Africa, they're not, they're not fake accounts, okay? They're real people. Why don't you shoot a couple... That guy could shoot over 100 mil and it wouldn't make a fucking dent, you know? And yet and, and yet, World Vision are harassing 35k a year comedian Billy Darcy for more fucking cheese and honey, you know? It just seems a little dramatic from World Vision. If they called Elon Musk as much as they called me, I reckon he'd cave within two weeks. You know, he's South African. They've got a short temper. I don't know. So that's what's, what I've been up to this week. Uh, basically, yeah. <laughs> you feel like a bad person, even though I, was, I, I did it for seven years, you know. Where's the pat on the back? But yeah, I, I know what you mean. I feel that energy.
I feel guilty. But anyway, let's crack into the yarns for this week. All right, so I have returned from the road once again. Australia's greatest road dog simply won't stop. I've just been hosting some Sydney Comedy Festival showcases uh, up north. I did Sunshine Coast, Tweed Head, and Byron Bay, and I was emceeing these. So they're probably some of the biggest shows I've ever emceed. Hosting or emceeing a comedy show is like the toughest spot, the toughest job. It's like opening the batting in cricket. You know, you got to see off the new ball, leave well early. You know, I'd say the equivalent of leaving as an MC you know, would be if someone heckles you right out the gate, you just got to leave that early. We'll get them later. We'll get them after tea. Okay. And, you know, you've got, you've got more batsmen, aka comedians in the shed, and you don't want them coming out at two for none on a raging green top. So you got to lay that foundation for a great show. The crowd's cold. You got to do all the tough sledding. And these are some of the biggest shows I've ever emceed. I've emceed like pretty massive shows before, but they were uni shows. And uni crowds are kind of like my crowd, so it's not as stressful. These crowds are fucking old, you know, not in the city. It's the average age of the crowds is like 63. I had to bring out some old material for the uh, for the oldies. As I get better at stand-up comedy, it appears old people enjoy me less. So I don't know what that says. I think maybe as you just sort of find your voice, you just sort of, you know, drill into your demographic a bit more. I'm not sure. But yeah, if you're over the age of 60, if you enjoy my comedy, fucking good on you, okay? But in my experience, it is little bit harder when they're older. So these were tough gigs. And first one, Caloundra, beautiful fucking theater. Unreal. It went great. Then we went to Tweed Heads. And Tweed Heads, firstly, Tweed Heads, the, the town, I've never been before. Unreal. Okay. I got a lot of time for Tweed. It's kind of like Manly if everyone there was just a little bit more country and a little bit more neck tattoo-y. Okay, just a little bit, just the tiniest bit. It's kind of like manly, but with, they're like not as rich and snobby. They're just a little bit grimier, okay, which I like. So Tweed's great, but we did this like Twin Towers RSL place. It was like 600 seats, eight o'clock the show starts. There's about 100, 150 people in there. There was more coming, obviously. And the guy's like, we have to start at 8.05 at the latest, and I'm like, mate, I would prefer to wait if possible. And he's like, nah, 8.05 at the latest. I think we did 8.10 in the end. So basically, I go out there to host this thing to like 200, 250 people. But people are still pouring in. So it, it ended up being quite full. But as I'm starting the show, you know, fucking heaps of people are still coming in. And it is, it's rowdy in there. And, you know, people are still coming in. So it's not great, you know. I got heckled by these women over to the right immediately one guy heckled me before he even got to his seat i'm doing this bit and he's like yeah fucking fuck you and i look down he's still standing up you know he's doing the scoot across the chairs i mean it was wild in tweed heads they were old and they were drunk okay which is honestly probably i'd rather they be old and drunk than old and sober because old people sober are very tight-lipped you know so i'd rather cop a bit of heat and have the oldies let loose 
than, than the other way around. And at one point, one woman just yelled out, fuck you. <laughs> like not even anything related to what I was saying, you know. But I went out. So this was on Friday. So the, the queen died on Friday. And I saw Batuta Advocate did this joke yesterday or Tuesday saying Queensland to be renamed Kingsland. Okay. Now this was the Friday before. I would never steal a joke from Batuta, but me and my mate Barney, we thought of the exact same joke. And he was saying, mate, you're hosting. You got to bloody do something about the queen. And I go, I don't know. And he goes, because we're on tweed heads right on the border. He goes, you should ask who's here from Queensland. Oh, sorry, forgot the news. I meant Kingsland. And Batuta did a very similar joke just yesterday. And anyway, so I go, yeah, all right. The first half, I came off. I, I'll put my hand up. I did a great job at Tweed Heads, okay? It was, fucking on, it was fucking on in there. And if you weren't up to it, you could have died a horrible death, okay? So did a good job. I come out to open the second half. And it's like, whatever. Like, it's rowdy in the room, but you know, they, they sort of respect me at this point. So anyway, Barney's like, you got to do the Kingsland joke. And I'm like, nah, nah, nah. And then I just go, yeah, fuck it, whatever. They're they're old. I can tell they're not going to like it, but what's the worst that can happen? Well, when I say this thing bombed, you have no idea how hard this joke bombed. Okay. Out the gate, opening the second half, So I do another seven minutes to open the second half after the break. Out the gate, I say, how's everyone's break? Blah, blah, blah. I go, oh, by the way, guys, we're right on the border. Who who is, uh, give me a word of you from Queensland. Oh, sorry, forgot the news. I meant Kingsland. Complete silence. 600 oldies, complete silence. And then breaking the silence, one woman yells out, not funny. (laughs) brutal possibly the worst start ever to the second half and uh to be fair i think the queen was still warm at this point you know i probably could have given it a day but fucking hell and i was like all right all right calm your farms what are we big monarchists in tweed heads are we like pull your heads in and the second half went great after that because i just went straight back into my material you know enough of that bill but holy shit dude 600 people and this thing went down like a fucking lead balloon Okay, they knew it was just topical and I was mucking around. So it was easy recovery. But I'm telling you, if one of my jokes bombed that hard, I would have been seriously fucking panicking, dude. It was hilarious. And the only reason I didn't freak out about how hard it bombed was because I had a pretty good suspicion that that was going to happen. I was under no illusions that these oldies probably wouldn't enjoy this. It was one you do for the comedians backstage. Anyway, so then after the show, we're going to the pub and uh, this woman comes up to me and says, great show, loved it. And it was the woman who yelled out, fuck you, and like heckled me the whole show. And this is a weird phenomenon. People will heckle you the whole show and then come up to you afterwards like your best mates and they've done you a favor. And this is one of those moments where you just, I was like, oh, don't worry about it. No, no, because you just want the interaction to be over. What I want to say is, hey, you rude bitch, don't ever do that again. What's wrong with you? You're insensitive. You're selfish. You're a fucking drunk loser. Get it? Like, you know, 
But you take the high road in these situations. Don't worry about it. Thanks for coming. Appreciate you coming. This sort of stuff. And the weirdest thing was, do you know what she said at the end? She said, I actually do a bit of stand-up myself. Turns out she'd done a few gigs on the Gold Coast. And that is, that's unforgivable, okay? If you've done stand-up and then you go to a show and you heckle someone, you should know how fucking hard it is up there. What are you doing? You're breaking the code. You know, magicians have more loyalty than this and they are less than. So really bizarre behavior from her. Imagine if I just went up to a a building site and there was a bloke building some stairs and I just kicked his tools out out of his hands and kicked over what he was working on. I said, don't worry, mate. I'm actually a bit of a chippy myself. So this is all above board. This is just a couple of chippies mucking around, you know. Don't let me fuck up what you're doing. You know, I'm. I, this is all above board. It's like the stupidest thing ever. But anyway, took the high road there. And the thing with the high road is there's no rewards, okay? But the the only thing you get for the high road is you don't get that bad feeling of not taking the high road, you know, which I have done in the past many, many times. <laughs> and then afterwards you think, fuck, why did I say that? Why couldn't I just keep my mouth shut for two and a half minutes, etc. But then next day we went to Byron. We went to a beautiful waterfall near Ballina, which I jumped off. Pretty impressive. Here's the thing though. I'm not the best with heights. And I, so we're on this big waterfall. I'd say the jump was about five meters. Okay. It was fucking high. Okay. And I don't love heights. But also, I'm not a bitch, so I'll do stuff with heights, but I'll just, I'll be freaking out while I do it. So, and I've done this, my mate McGowan was with me, and he, you know, he, this is a Tuesday for him, this guy would jump off a fucking skyscraper, and, uh, you know, land at the bottom safely. Me, I'm freaking out. So, he goes, do you want to go first? I go, yeah. I go, I have to go first. I go, I got 10 seconds to jump off this thing, or I will be too scared. And I did the thing where I go, all right, here we go. And I went to the edge and stopped and like freaked out. And so then I was like, fuck, now the demon set in. Now I'm freaking out. This thing's too tall. You know, I, I'm going to slip and kill myself. I miss my ex-girlfriend. Negativity has entered the, t- the chat. And then I just went, all right, fuck it. Bam, right, ran off, jumped in. It was fucking scary, but I did it. And that you think, wow, that's so cool. Good on you, Bill. But then my mate McGowan, not seven seconds behind me, he did a running backflip off the exact same waterfall. All of a sudden, my fucking safety pencil dive isn't looking so crash hot, is it? You know, I've conquered my fears and I still somehow look like a nerd. Thanks, McGowan. <laughs> so, so that was great. And then we went to Byron Bay. Hottest people ever in Byron Bay. Men and women, okay? If some of the blokes had a shower, they could be genuine models. Great shows in Byron, beautiful little theater there. Not much to report because it was just such a fucking fun time. But yeah, great little tour. And, uh, and I got to say, Byron, Byron Saturday night, it's got to be one of the best nights out going around. And Tweed Heads is beautiful. I got to say, guys, as someone who is routinely critical of Queensland... Southeast Queensland and the border area 
you know, burly heads, tweed, fucking cool and gatter, play on, beautiful area, beautiful guys, okay, and obviously, Steph Gilmore hails from that area, and she just won the world the world surfing title for a record eighth time, which I will touch on later. Okay, so return of the new segment, weekly whingeroo. This week, each week, I just want to whinge about something that is not actually a real issue, because I realize I don't actually have anything to complain about in my life, but sometimes it is just nice to have a whinge. So that is what the weekly whinge is for. Not any real problems, just stuff. It's like, whatever, fuck this. <laughs> you know what I mean? This week, I'd like to whinge about celebrity dating, okay? Because Leonardo DiCaprio has done it again. He's dated a young model for a couple of years and dropped her off on the side of the road just before her 25th birthday, as is his playbook. And I'm fine with that. You know, I'm fine with Leonardo DiCaprio really doing whatever he wants. But I will say, celebrities are getting away with absolute murder with some of their dating habits. Like, can you imagine if like (laughs) these celebrities, you'll have like a 45-year-old movie star with a 21-year-old girl, okay? And that's cool. They look cool on the red carpet. She's hot and he's hot and they're rich, you know, and they're fucking, they got sunglasses on, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio's looking sort of in average shape, but he's pulling it off and it's great. But mate, (laughs) can you imagine if some bloke rocked up to like a civilian barbecue on a Sunday, 47 years old with a 20-year-old girlfriend? You'd call the police. How are celebrities getting away with this, you know? It's like, (laughs) I'd go up to him, I'd be like, I'm sorry, mate, did you just fucking hook up with your daughter? Like, what is going on here? She's going to have to sit at the kids' table, mate. This is not chill. Have you ever pictured like a freaking, a 45-year-old man hooking up with a 20-year-old girl? Or or vice versa? I guess vice versa is not as creepy, but it's pretty bloody bizarre. And in Hollywood, it's just like par for the course, you know? Jerry Seinfeld, like just some of the stuff these blokes are getting away with. Jerry Seinfeld was 35 and he was dating a 16-year-old girl. No one talks about it. No one talks. He he dated her for like two, three years. And he still considered himself a clean comedian while he did that. It's like, sorry, I swear on stage, Jerry. At least I haven't fucked a minor recently, you bloody weirdo. You know? Or ever, I should clarify. <laughs> Just realized the word recently was a bit weird. Um, but it's like, and it's like if if a normal bloke was 35 and rocked up to the pub with a 16-year-old missus, the SWAT team, you know, you just see freaking, there'd be flashbangs going off as the SWAT team arrested him. It's just bizarre that that this sort of creepy style of dating, it's only reserved for like the rich and the famous, super attractive people. I mean, you'd never see a couple of uggos getting around with this sort of age gap. You know, you'd never see a couple of four out of tens. One's 41, the other's 19. You know? It's only rich and famous people that get to do it. And I just think, look, I think it's creepy when they do it, but they're getting away with it. So if it, what I'm saying is if it's creepy for us, it should be creepy for them. 
and vice versa. You know, it's bloody weird, boys. Is no one <laughs> like Leonardo DiCaprio? I think he's like forty nine now. It's like, is this not starting to creep anyone out a little bit? But the thing with Leo is, you know, it might be creepy, but he, you know, it is all above board and consensual from the great man, and his consistency is key because here's the thing with Leonardo DiCaprio. If this was 10 years ago and he was, you know, 41 dating a 21-year-old, you'd be like, oh, I don't know about that, Leo. But now it's just like, this is how this man operates. You can either get on board or not, but he's not going to change a thing. There's no surprises here, okay? And if you're a a 24-year-old woman dating Leonardo DiCaprio, I'd freaking get your affairs in order, you know? That's when I'd start just, just siphoning the money. I'd start fucking... I'd start asking for really expensive gifts that I could sell afterwards, you know? I'd start when he's when he's got off reading lines with Brad Pitt, that's when I'm just going through his drawers, stealing some jewelry, this sort of stuff, because you're about to get your papers, babe. And the thing with Leonardo DiCaprio is he does nothing better than anyone. Anytime Leonardo DiCaprio is in the news, whether it be because he's fatter than ever, his new girlfriend is younger than ever. He's broken up with a bird because she's gotten old again. You know, whatever it is, he's gotten fucked up at a party. Do you know what Leonardo DiCaprio does on social media or in general? Nothing. He does absolutely nothing. And that's why everyone's chill with Leo. It's when these celebrities come out with their lies and their weird statements saying, oh, I didn't know she was 22. If he did something like that, everyone would be on him like fucking, like a rash. But because he just does nothing, people are just like, ugh, okay, you know? I think there should be, I think obviously there should be a minimum age of consent. Not fucking, not contesting that. That would be a really weird hill to die on. (laughs) But with the minimum age of consent, there should be like a maximum age gap as well. Like 20 years, you know? That way... That way you couldn't have these 50-year-olds creeping on these 20-year-old, 20-year-old women. And also, these like 75-year-old millionaires that are getting run through by these gold diggers who are like 28, you know, you could stop that as well, you know? But at what point is an age gap just completely untenable? I guess no point really because it's like, oh, but we're in love. Don't, don't, don't fucking tell me who to love. It's like, really, Janine? That's weird. It just seems like the only people you love happen to be multi-multi-millionaires who are about to die. Isn't that, isn't that bizarre, that type you have? <laughs> I don't know. That's my whinge for this week. I, I hate how celebrities get away with this age gap stuff, even though it's like so blatantly creepy. <laughs> you know what I mean? But anyway, speaking of absolute weirdo celebrities... I think I missed this last week or it happened over the weekend, but AFL great Wayne Kerry was ejected from a casino over the weekend uh, because he dropped a bag of white powder on a roulette table and was then asked to leave. Uh, he asserts that the white powder was not cocaine. Okay, I'll just repeat that. Wayne Kerry, okay, notorious, notorious piece of shit Wayne Kerry, one of the greatest AFL players of all time, give a fuck, notorious piece of shit, Wayne Kerry dropped a bag of white powder in a casino 
and it wasn't cocaine. What a world to live in. Now, before I get into this, I'd just like to read out a few things. So I'm not an AFL man, but even I know that Wayne Carey is less than, okay? And he's notoriously, he uh, had an affair with one of his teammates' wives. He was married at the time also. And then I just want to read out um, some of his other controversies uh, that have marred this otherwise exceptional footy player over the years. And you hate to see a great get taken down by, you know, circumstances. And Wayne has had his fair share of bad luck, let me tell you. So here's a couple of Wayne Carey's greatest hits. In 1997, Wayne Carey pleaded guilty to indecent assault after grabbing a passing woman's breast on a Melbourne city street after 12 hours of drinking. He allegedly told her, why don't you get a bigger pair of tits? Carey later settled with that woman out of court. I apologize if I laugh through some of these. In the year 2000, Wayne Carey provided a character, uh, character evidence for Jason Moran, an infamous gangster from Melbourne who was later killed in the gang wars. So, you know, good to see he keeps good company. In 2004, while holidaying with his then wife, Wayne Carey was arrested for misdemeanor battery while holidaying in Las Vegas. Uh, in February 2006, Carey announced he was leaving his pregnant wife Sally for model Kelly Nielsen with his daughter being born just six weeks later. That's good stuff there. Later on in 2006, Kelly Nielsen allegedly reported Kerry to the Australian police for domestic violence, alleging he had punched her in the face. Uh, A a US security guard later that year told the Nine Networks a current affair. He saw Wayne Carey attacking Kelly Nielsen while working at the exclusive W Hotel in New York City. The security guard said he saw Wayne Carey break a bottle of French champagne over his own head. In 2008, he was arrested after a disturbance at his Port Melbourne apartment. He had to be subdued with handcuffs and capsicum spray after allegedly assaulting multiple officers. Oh, my God. Later that year in 2007, so this guy really had a couple of red-hot years, uh, Kerry was arrested and charged with assaulting a police officer and girlfriend Kelly Nielsen in Miami, Florida. He allegedly glassed Kelly in the face and neck with a wine glass. Kerry was, after that, fired from his commentary jobs at 3AW and The Nine Network. In 2008, Kerry revealed he was an abuser of alcohol and cocaine in one of the more shocking revelations of the mid-2000s. In 2012, he went to speak to some Indigenous prison inmates but refused to go in after they said they would pat him down for drugs. And then in 2022, Wayne Carey has dropped a bag of white powder on a roulette table. The powder was not cocaine. And this man, where to begin? (laughs) Okay, I'm going to try not to get too ranty about this. Let's have some fun discussing... Uh, this absolute low breed, okay? <laughs> um, so he fucked his teammate's wife. He glassed another one. He left, he left his pregnant wife. I mean, it's all, it's all good stuff from the great man. There's no doubt about that. And here's the thing. 
Wayne Carey, he's got to be the only bloke out there who snorts his Nurofen Plus. I mean, (laughs) it's obvious that Wayne Carey is a piece of shit, but let's do this as an isolated thing, okay? So this guy's out there with with a bag of Panadol crushed up, you know, ready for snorting later. Um, firstly, mate, we all know it's cocaine, okay? There's no one on planet Earth who doesn't know it's cocaine, okay? There's African tribesmen who don't know what AFL is. You just look like someone who would do, do cocaine, mate, okay? Also, this guy's still doing cocaine at the age of 51, which is the surefire red flag of an absolute psychopath, Okay? This guy's rocking around the casino at 51 with a bag of coke. I'm sorry, are you on my mate Ben's Bucks party? (laughs) Are you on a fucking weekend away with your uni mates? What are you doing, okay? And it's just the lies. Like, why doesn't he just come out and say, hey, guys, I got caught doing the wrong thing? Because, mate, in the context of what this guy has done in the past... This is like his best one. This is by far his most palatable scandal, okay? I got no issues with Wayne Carey getting coked out of his mind at the casino on the bloody weekend, okay? I just need to reset the camera. But it's like, mate, what I'm not in for is just blatant lies, okay? Panadol doesn't come in fucking powder form, nor does it recommend you fucking crush it up. Okay, but then this is the best part. He said he's going to sue the casino over a disability claim because the Panadol crushed up was there to treat debilitating injuries he sustained while playing football. Okay, so now all of a sudden Wayne Carey's gone from cokehead party boy to now, now he's, he's a disabled man. Okay, if you see Wayne Carey parking right out the front of Woolies, don't don't have a go at him. He's disabled, okay? <laughs> oh my God. Can you imagine if you were actually disabled and you heard this guy, former AFL great, <laughs> say that he is in fact disabled and has been discriminated against? My God. I would have used, I reckon he's used the disabled lie on the wrong thing. I would have used that on the cheating scandal, you know? When I fuck, if I fucked my, one of my best mate's wives... I would have been like, shit, sorry, mate, I, I'm disabled. I, my bloody left leg doesn't work anymore. I tripped over and fell into your missus, okay? So he's gone in on the disabled lie. Um, he's definitely, Wayne Carey's definitely the sort of bloke to blame the black dog as soon as stuff goes poorly. You know, oh, no, yeah, I've actually got addiction issues and depression. You know what I mean? You get to use that one time. But for multiple, multiple incidents, it's beyond the pale. And the funniest thing was he gave this press conference saying he's going to file the disability lawsuit in one of the more cowardly reactions to getting caught doing the wrong thing I personally have ever seen. He said that outside of an RSL where he was talking at a men's mental health seminar later that day. So I don't know if one of the fucking modules at this seminar was accountability there, Wayno, but you are a hypocrite piece of shit. (laughs) I cannot believe what a cunt this bloke is. It's literally unbelievable. And the real question is, when are we, are we ever just going to get to a place where like, all right, Wayne Carey caught with white powder. 
Everyone fucking knows it's cocaine. Are we ever going to get to a point where, he, where someone, whether it be Wayne Carey, someone has to be the first person to just admit they were using cocaine, okay? The fucking aura around this drug that 99% of celebrities and sports stars are using, made up statistic, don't message me, but it's like all these footy players and celebs doing cocaine all the time. And I don't, I got no issues, okay? But then when they drop a bit or it falls out of their jacket, we all go into absolute hysterics like we have no idea what's going on. We need the first person out of the gate, and Johnny Depp has done a lot of great work in this area. We need someone to fucking put their hand up and say, hey, I got caught in a cubicle in a casino with Kalen Ponga and a bag of white powder Guys, i got to put my hand up. We were doing cocaine, okay? Someone needs to be the first out the gate to just put their hand up and admit to it. Because I'm so sick of every fucking week someone gets caught with cocaine and it's front page news like everyone's not fucking doing it, okay? When are we going to get to a point where someone can drop a bag of cocaine, a public figure can drop a bag of cocaine and the whole world can keep fucking spinning on its axis, you know? There, there are times when, like, legitimate news stories are pushed out of the news cycle because a footy player gets caught with cocaine. How is that anything? It's like, you know what I mean? I'm trying to think of an analogy. If Shane Warne, all right, let's say Shane Warne gets caught fucking have, having a few beers and a meat pie, that wouldn't make the news, would it? You know, you'd be like, well, fuck me. That's just Warney going about his business. Well, guess what? If a rugby league player or Wayne Kerry, I repeat, Wayne Kerry gets caught with cocaine, it should not be a news item, okay? Now, now this absolute fucking rodent of a man has, has curled up in a ball and pulled the disability card out of his ass in one of the most pathetic displays of manliness I personally have ever seen. But, it's, but in his defense, it's like, fuck me. Can this rampant coke addict not just do a bit of coke without the whole world losing its shit? You know what I mean? It's just, I'm sick of the fucking fake hysteria around drug use. We need to get past it, okay? So I wish Wayne Carey the best. You know, he's an underdog. He's had a tough trot. You know, this guy... The whole world's against him. I think you can see from what I read out at the start of this segment that the man is a genuine victim. Okay, so... <laughs> okay, okay. All right, good on you, Wayno, you fucking weird cunt. <laughs> I love it. I fucking love it. Oh. Okay, just to finish up this podcast, I'm going to get into the project... The Project is a segment where we celebrate Australian talent, killing it here and abroad. And this week's winner is, this was an easy one to pick. Steph Gilmore has won her eighth world title. She is officially the GOAT of women's surfing. She's gone past Lane Beachley, who won seven. And Steph Gilmore, you know, she's a Wheat Bix kid. She's straight out of the Goldie and... uh She's just one of those people where it's like she is the upper echelon of like what a human can be. She's just the sickest chick ever. 
She is the best in history at what she does. She's a fucking legend. Great ambassador for the sport. Great example for the country. You know, what she's done for women's sport in this country. Unbelievable. And I don't know where to begin. So she came from fifth place. Now, the World Surf League has this new system where there's like a finals day and the rankings are pretty much, the rankings don't matter. You just need to make it into the finals day, into the top five. And Steph snuck in by the skin of her teeth. Uh, she had a terrible start to the season. She missed one event and like bombed out a pipeline. And so she came from fifth in the finals day and won like three three heats in a row, maybe four, to win the whole thing. Which is stupid because Carissa Moore had an unassailable lead on the rankings. And the world champ should be crowned based on, you know, a total of all the different waves you surf throughout the year because that's the point of the World Surf League. One week you turn up and it's it's big left-handed barrels and that's going to suit certain people. And then the next week, you know, it's it's some beach break. You're just throwing buckets, carving carving yourself senseless. So all the waves are different and that's why the, the tour is so fun and that's why the champ, you know, it's supposed to be a total of how you went in all the different conditions. But whatever, thank God for this new system because it let our gal sneak in through the back door she surfed all fucking day and taught these chicks a lesson. And Steph Gilmore, you know, a lot of people don't know that she had her own adversity because she came on the scene in 07 and her rookie year, she won the world title. Okay, she's one of these people, she's very much like a Kelly Slater character. She's, she's a freak, okay? She's a fucking freak. She won first year, rookie year, she won the world title. To make the top five on your first year is insane. To win the world title first year is crazy. Then she won 08, 09, 2010. Four years in a row. Her first four years. Get out of my fucking face, babe. What are you talking about? This is crazy. Then she won 2012, 2014. Okay, so what's that? That's six out of eight years. Steph Gilmore won the title. Okay, so she's like the freaking LeBron James of surfing. Then what happened one day? She gets back to her apartment in the car park behind, uh, below the unit block. Some crazed homeless guy jumped out with a metal pole and just beat the fuck out of her. Like fractured her wrist and like she had some stitches in her skull. And it really fucked her up like mentally for ages. And then, uh, yeah, she wasn't really the same for a few years. She won again in 2018. But that was sort of, you know, the end of her dominance really rattled her for a couple of years there as it would you know you don't feel safe in your own fucking home that's not good for anyone's mental state now it's like go out and win another trophy babe you know it's that's not how humans work so she came back from that 2018 she got the seventh one and then this year she stuck in in 2022 you know at the end of the day whatever this new system with the surf finals day it's not how it's how many and for the rest of time, the 2022 world champ will be Steph Gilmore, whether they go back to the old system or not. So, congratulations, Steph Gilmore. Unbelievable. Uh, I don't know what to say. You know, I love it when an athlete gets past their prime and still finds a way to make it happen. You know, I, f I find that's when, like, it's really inspirational because, you know, everyone, the most talented athletes on the planet towel people up in their prime but once they're out of their prime and they've got to find like another way 
to get things done. I find it really inspirational. Like Steve Smith over the last couple of years. Steve Smith is, the last couple of years, he's been a shadow of the guy the previous two years that was just going nuts. But he still averages 42 for those two years. He got it done no matter what. And that's why Steve Smith is so great. That's why Steph Gilmore is so great. And uh, I just find it really inspirational. So congratulations, Steph Gilmore. You are officially the GOAT. And one last thing, I'd just like to briefly touch on some more cricket chat. Because last year, I called, last week, I should say, I called for Aaron Finch. Sorry, I called for it as if anyone fucking listened. I said into a microphone in my fucking bedroom (laughs) that Aaron Finch should step down from the captaincy. Well, Finch, he's done me one better. He's retired altogether. I think it was the right call. And I think it takes a very mature person to admit when it's not happening for them anymore. Okay, so good on you, Finchy. Still a great career. So no stress there, mate. Enjoy retirement. Um, Now, a few things here. Now, Pat Cummins, he said it might be too much for him to captain the one-day side also, but he said it would be an absolute privilege if they gave him that opportunity. So once again, Pat Cummins has delivered an interview where he's, in essence, said absolutely nothing. I've got no qualms because I don't listen to Pat Cummins. I leave the thing on mute and just stare into his eyes and just get lost in them uh, for, for upwards of 10 minutes because he is the hottest man I've ever seen, okay? But Pat Cummins should legitimately, as much as I love him as a player and he's clearly an absolute legend of a bloke, Pat Cummins should look into being a politician after cricket because that guy says absolutely nothing in more words than anyone I've ever seen. Every Pat Cummins interview, he... I've never once seen an interview where he's added extra information to what the journalist already knows, you know? How are the boys feeling? Yeah, we're feeling really good. What's the strategy? Well, we've got a lot of respect for South Africa. We're going to have to bowl well, you know? Just, it's like, a, it's like there's an artificial intelligence program that they've made Australian cricket captain, you know? And I love Pat Cummins. I'm not having a dig. Honestly, just if you can listen to his interviews and enjoy them, and get something out of them, then more power to you. I personally cannot. Okay? Now, I will once again call for Glenn Maxwell to captain both the ODI and T20 sides. He turns 34 this year. I think he'll easily play to 37. Um, He's such a gun. So there's three years easy. Failing that, I mean, there's talks for Dave Warner's leadership ban, He's got a lifetime leadership ban, Dave Warner, from the sandpaper incident. I personally don't like Dave Warner that much, but if you're going to lift Steve Smith's leadership ban, you should lift his as well. It's unfair otherwise. And to be honest, I have no qualms with Dave Warner captaining the ODI side. I think at this point, it's more about managing the workloads of the players and the stress of the captains. So if they want to go Dave Warner one day side, Glenn Maxwell T20 side, that's fine too. I think Steve Smith should captain the test side, Pat Cummins vice captain, okay? Here's the thing, non-negotiable Glenn Maxwell T20 captain, non-negotiable, okay? And I saw a picture of Glenn Maxwell in the news today. His wife, I don't know if anyone's aware of this, he has the most beautiful Indian wife I've ever seen. Now, I'm not sure if she was born in Australia or what, but she's absolutely stunning. 
and they had like a big Indian wedding I saw and it got me thinking, if there's any domestic cricketers out there who struggle with the ladies, get yourself an IPL contract and you could be you could be batting well out of your league here, mate, because if you're a four out of ten domestic cricketer in Australia, you know, you play for the Sydney Sixers, maybe that bumps you up to a six because you're a professional athlete and you got some coin on you. Mate, if you go to India, you're gonna be like a twelve over there, mate. So really something to think about. Okay, so that's the podcast for this week. Hope you enjoyed it. This one went really long for whatever reason. I got off on that whole Meghan Markle podcast thing at the start. And there's seven minutes, you know, none of us will ever get back. So thanks for listening. Brisbane Encore Show, September 22. It's only like two tickets left. So don't stress if you're not coming. And then Homecoming East Coast Showcase Tour that I am a part of. Brisbane, Gold Coast, Port Macquarie, Newcastle, Sydney last week of September, all those tickets via the link in my Instagram bio. Cheers. Way too long, way too long. Yeah, and I can see the ground now, I'm way too long.